30 and Nerdy Podcast is presented by Advertising Expressions. With so many ad specialties available, there is a huge opportunity for professionals like yourself to boost ROI and leave a lasting impression with your customers. Our mission is to help you create long-lasting relationships with your clients through the power of promotional products by getting your name in front of as many people as possible for as long as possible. We can help you today. Call Advertising Expressions, the place that the nerds use, at 423-586-3270. Ask for Zach and tell them the 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome back to another episode of the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I'm your host, the Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the nerdy South, the captain of content, Tyler Mack. And joined, of course, by the co-host, the juicy one, the oozy one, freshly squeezed with his PhD in nerdology, the doctor of nerdonomics himself. Dr. Davis. What's up, Doc? Well, hello there. So, how are you? I'm all right, man. How are you? Good. Pretty good. Um, I'm stressed. Aren't we, aren't we just full of energy today? I'm stressed. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired. I'm stressed. Um, I gotta tell you, man, this... This this last couple of weeks have been pretty rough. Mm-hmm. The old McDaniel family. This last eight months has been rough, but uh, Dad is on his way to back surgery. We're we're patiently waiting, um, but it's gotten so worse that he's like now on a walker and can barely walk, and it's just so it's been a rough couple of weeks. Um, Work is trying to get uh, the studios, everything perfected and all that has has been stressful because all the all the cooks in the kitchen, right? Um, who didn't <laughs> technically who who's not even cooking a meal but has opinions, uh, so. And then on top of that, like Matilda, like, you know, it's it's literally like a, we've had five and a half weeks to turn around a a big honking musical yeah. with That's a bunch a of kids. Show. And and <clears throat> which don't get me wrong, they're doing fantastic. Um with some difficult written songs. Very difficult. Um, this Tim mentioned guy, I, I have a few crass words to say about him. <laughs> um, but I've said on, that about Sondheim a few times. Yeah. Yeah. On t- <laughs> he thinks he's Sondheim. That's what he's, he's, he thinks he's, he's Sondheim. 
just a mixture of like doing the the song doing it at the the pace and timing that they wrote as playing trunchbull all with a british accent like just everything all on top of one another the lyrics are absolutely stupid and the sad thing is is uh it, it's not just me like it's difficult for everyone people veterans veterans in the cast were like this is ridiculous this is difficult. Well, I've heard from a reliable source <laughs> that you're absolutely killing it. Oh, God. And it's like the best thing that you've ever done. So I'm very excited. I hope, I hope so. I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it. <laughs> I hope so. That time where everything starts to come. It was the cutest thing. Last night was our first night at Jeffco. And about half the cast had never performed there before especially the, some little kids. And every time they'd walk in that door, you'd see them like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like just light up. And like, because most of those kids, their first shows was, was like the Velveteen Rabbit in the little black mm -hmm. box at Carson Newman. Yeah. They walked in and then a lot of them were just like, oh, my God. Like, there's so much room for activities. You know, yeah. <laughs> just all their big eyes. They were like, oh, arguably too much. Yeah. I say arguably as the too much room. Uh, director of the program at that school. So yes, arguably yeah, too much room. Practice. Sound is a big challenge in that theater because yeah. it's so wide. Yeah, it's a very wide space. Um, I and get... we've got these weird little, I call them little nodes on the side. So like you've got your, your, your apron of the stage and you've got your proscenium and then like on either side of the, of the apron we've got these two little rounded off parts just an mm -hmm. extra little length to the stage then they yes. go in front of the main curtain it's so hard to stage things around that yeah but anyway anyway it, it was it was nice we uh got through uh most of the show is our first uh we were doing a lot of like all right let's run the show just so they could then see like oh god now we have so much room yeah Okay, now we're going to have to reshift this and reshift that. So we're in that part. And then tech starts uh, Saturday. So uh, it's part of the fast. process. Like, I'm glad you said that because for any of the young actors who are listening to this that have worked with me before and they, you know, get frustrated when we've learned something, then we have to change it and we have to adjust it. It's part of the process mm. so it is it is and i gotta tell you no matter how many years i've 25 plus years of doing theater almost uh, there are certain things that just you never get used to um yeah. auditions because they're so cold doesn't matter how many shows i've done i hate auditions that first off book day and your first day in the space if you've if you're you know if you're fortunate enough to where every rehearsal has been in your space lucky you but that moment where you go from rehearsal to and then there's some growing pains and stuff because it's a bigger space and there's still you know a few days sprinkled in there like kind of like off book days or first time using sound we've got all the set done so now you have to work around the set and uh it does not matter how long you do theater 
it is still a, a bit of a difficult part of the process. Yes. To get used to. So uh, if you are one of his classmates, that's not just you. <laughs> this 34 year old is uh, feeling rough at times. So, but it'll all come together. It always does. It's part of the and magic. I'm, uh, I'm excited. Uh, other than that, how's Chicago? Chicago's going very well. Good. We are making great, great progress. We are, I'd say, three-fourths of the way through with everything. We're going to have to take a little break because we have to stop and work on the Veterans Day program uh, at our school, oh, yeah. which I'm also the director of. Um, we're going to put these kids in a little uh, Hamilton uh, number we're going to do for the vets. Uh, the plan is to do my shot. Okay. We're going to see. We're going to see. Uh, but uh, I've learned that with Chicago, so all anytime that you produce a play or a musical, you have to do a contract with the license company. Um, and there's all these rules, right, that you have to follow. Like you have to give credit to certain people and you have to do certain things. Mm. Chicago is the most strict uh they have the most strict guidelines out of any show that i've ever been a part of before really? and i really had no idea until uh i mean you get your contract and you look over it obviously you should always read your contract but there's a lot of things that i marked and i was like okay i need to call a representative and ask about that and i finally did that and it was like wow a lot of times when you do a show you can make a poster and distribute that poster out throughout the community and hang it up on windows and stuff and advertise your show with this show. You are not allowed to do that. I can have posters displayed in the campus uh, of the school that's performing, but I cannot put them out in the community. Not allowed, not allowed to advertise on social media using any pictures of a rehearsal or a performance or any sort of posed, uh, things from the show uh can't distribute uh, uh the uh our poster on social media a lot of guidelines uh, and and why are they that strict about advertising a production of the show i have no idea i don't understand but i'll find a way to make it work because that's what i do you can't use uh red in your production any sort of red themes it's like I can have red lights and, you know, Roxy might wear a red dress or something like that. But otherwise, no red, not in the poster or anything. We can't have an archival DVD. Um, we can't sell T-shirts. Just Chicago. There's probably others, but this one specifically. So far. And a lot of the I'm in a Facebook group with thousands of theater teachers and directors across the country. And, and yeah. They'll talk about it a lot. Like they are so strict about Chicago. There's so many things about Chicago that's different. I thought that Disney stuff was was bad. This is a whole wow. different animal. It's unbelievable. But it's going to be great. Yeah, the, the, the kids are doing great. The show's going to be great. We will have people there to see it. We're going to make it work. Um, and I'm, I asked the representative, like, okay, but what if I do it this way? She was like. That should be fine. So I got ideas. That's good. 
but they're like, oh, you can do yard signs. Like the kids in the show can have a yard sign of the show. Wow. Like, you know, people graduate like, oh, yeah. there's a or, graduate here. Yeah. So we can do that. Which is the strangest thing I've ever heard. But I'm looking into that. You can use political marketing, but whatever. We can send out mailers and yard signs, but we cannot. I repeat, we cannot put a poster at the Waffle House. Perhaps we can go door to door and just. There you go. Hey, we're doing Chicago. Hey, we're doing Chicago. (laughs) Uh, Wow. I did not know that. Be interesting to find out why. What makes you so special, Chicago? Well, Chicago is the, with the downfall of Phantom of the Opera, the longest running show on on Broadway. That's so, true. That's very true. That might be it. But I don't, I mean, it still doesn't make sense to me. Like, if you're allowing people to do the production, why can they not properly advertise the production? And I guess they don't see it that way, that there's some other reason that I'm not understanding, I'm sure. But it's just bizarre and... That's very bizarre. Strange to me, but whatever. I'm going to set an example for my children and I'm going to follow the rules and I'm going to do yeah. things the right way. Yeah. So I say so, that I've never cheated on those things before, but now yeah. I'm doing it the right way. <laughs> <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. We are uh, getting closer and closer to the end of season five of 30 and 30 podcast. Um, We've still got a uh, few more episodes in the tank, including our Halloween special. That will be the juice here crossing over with Johnny has the keys podcast to discuss. They live uh, one that Josh has been really excited about doing for the last couple of seasons to see if you can chew bubble gum and podcast toast at the same time. We are going to find out. It's a shame that you're going to be missing out. You busy man. Yep. Yep. Because yep. it's Take Halloween week. and everything. Hell week, as they call it. Sacrifice the for the arts. Yes, you have to. You have to make these sacrifices to Thespis. You're going to shave your beard here pretty soon? Uh, yes. Uh, Saturday morning. Because I, <laughs> I am waiting until the last minute. Actually, I'm shaving it for Friday into a Stark thing because Friday night is our Halloween family get together in Chattanooga. We're all Marvel this year. Oh, that works out. Then Saturday morning, I'll get up and shave the rest of it off and then razor it. So it's baby. I haven't been baby shaved in years. I have not been in like six years. Cause I usually keep scruff at least. But no, can't do that for this one. Last time I was uh, clean shaven was when we did the Wizard of Oz the last time. 2017? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, we're getting towards the cold months, so. It is what it is. And it ain't what it ain't. (laughs) As I mentioned earlier, studios has been a little stressful, but the studio's Updates are still happening slowly, very slowly. Uh, We are in the midst of already a name change to it out of confusion for some parties. So it was easier to just say, you know what, let's just change the name. 
to something we can all agree on slash won't be confusing. So we have a meeting about that tomorrow. I'm not angry or I'm, or jilted. I know these kind of things happen. It's more of like a, all right. I wish I, wish I had known that a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to know a couple months ago. Well, you know what, though? I I know what's going to lift your spirits. Hit me. I got some Marvel news. Ooh, there has been a lot of Marvel news lately. There is tons of Marvel news. And we've got Loki going on right now. First thing I have here to talk about. After challenges from Secret Invasion and Daredevil, many writers were let go, and new writers and showrunners were brought in to fix some creative changes for Daredevil and begin a TV overhaul for Marvel. Moving forward, the thought is that shows will be created with multiple seasons in mind instead of telling movie-sized stories in 8 to 10 episodes of one season. How do you feel about that, Tyler? Would you prefer that? I I don't know if I'd prefer it. I I don't want as many seasons as, say, Flash and Arrow had. Oh, goodness. Uh, Because we saw what happened. Yeah. You want to do two or three? Sure. Uh, But if you're getting like five, six, and seven, like, don't, please. Although I knew it would happen. I knew it would happen because, A, with the adding of that content and that, that, um, that outlet of TV, that Marvel made um, and, and keeping it all continuous came more challenges. Um, they basically are like, Oh, since we're going to TV, um, we'll just basically break down a movie. That's how we'll run TV. AKA streaming these days, you know, it only gets you so far because TV is just a different animal. And I hate that. I hate that what happened with Secret Invasion, it was not received well. I hate yeah. that for Secret Invasion. I hate that for Sam. You know, I, I think an overhaul and evolving, we're pro evolvement. <laughs> you yeah. know, we yeah. are fans of evolving to make things better and changing. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I think uh, time will tell. Uh, it, it will be interesting to see if they can handle these changes and keep quality throughout i sort of like the movie size stories because it makes it feel more epic you know and i understand that secret invasion was like you said not really super well received Uh um i can't say that it did much for me i i didn't dislike it but you know it was okay it was it was whatever nothing is gonna top one division for me, I don't think. Just I thought one division was so creative and mm. the acting, changing those the styles to fit the era for the sitcoms. I thought that was just incredible. Um, anyway, I could gush about one division all day, but uh, I, I I'm sure that it'll be fine and I'll enjoy whatever they come up with. But I, I feel like it's just going to make it less uh feels it it just feels smaller to me when when we break it down like that so whatever so how about this kevin feige's recent comments about four phases and 32 movies only being the beginning of things has sparked many thoughts and rumors between character returns character rebirths 
character reboots from different timelines and how long this could possibly go on. Yeah, I've I've seen this and you know, I saw is something it kind of like, like Star Wars to the point where like we may not see the end of the Marvel universe. Oh, it could be. Um, but I saw the one of the headlines about like oh, you know, we could see new versions of characters that we've already seen. Mm. So like a new Captain America and a, a younger new, Tony. Stark. I mean, we we do have a new Captain America, but you know what I mean, like a Steve yeah. Rogers version. A younger Steve. <clears throat> yeah, my opinion on this type of thing always for years and years and years has been like do you want yes for people who like really know all the lore and 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 the multiple versions of different characters they're gonna love that and and they're gonna be there for it but at what point is it like okay we're starting to lose our general audience like yeah these are the the diehards and they're going to be all about it. And you should always try to cater to those people. I love fan service and stuff like that. But if your whole universe is now this guy who used to be this guy, who used to be this guy, like people talk all the time about lost the TV show lost. It became so convoluted mm-hmm. that nobody could follow it or understand what was going on. And I just say that from hearsay, I haven't watched it myself. Oh, it did. I but I felt lost, that way. I felt that way about like uh, once upon a time. Yes. Remember that show? Same, the, crea- same creators. It, that's, that's why I thought of that. Yeah. yeah. I thought season one was just spectacular. I thought it was genius. I loved it. And I was actually taking a college course uh, about fairy tales and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was all into that. And then once you got like three or four seasons in, I was like, geez, good Lord, the timeline is all over the place. And this mm-hmm. person died and they came back, you know, and I guess that's the nature of comic books and stuff, but this isn't a comic book. This is a movie or this is a television series. Mm-hmm. And the audience is going to be different. So I'm torn because I feel like, yeah, it's exciting to to expand the universe like that. But at what point is it like, man, I can't even keep up anymore? Because yeah, I'm it, actually feeling it a little kind bit of it becomes like a black hole. It collapses within itself yeah. and it's just it's just too much. Well, I mean, I said I said that we would talk about Loki later. And okay. So like with Loki, I'm feeling a little bit of that now. Like I have been able to easily follow the Marvel stuff Mm -hmm. the whole time. Mm -hmm. Loki is starting to get a little complicated for me. Okay. Um, you know, this branch, this timeline, this was destroyed this guy came from this one and this is the past and this is the future i can't keep up yeah so i'm struggling a little bit with loki what are you thinking about it i mean i like it i I thought it was odd that that uh, in the second episode they did all this massive pruning which was done by uh uh who was in game of thrones um yeah she was uh, um House. The lady who, who breastfed her yes, 12 her year old son. 12 year old son. Um, I thought it was crazy that they, they did that and gave this like almost at the end of Infinity War moment. Like, you know, there was that same feeling of like, oh God, we lost. Yeah. But then I'm like, but that's not the finale. That's just episode two. And there was no post credit. And we're supposed to still get 
to Dr. Timely or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, they can risk getting too convoluted with all this time travel and multiversal stuff. Time travel always gets tough, man. It does. It really does, uh, especially for a general audience. Yeah. And typically that's where it keeps your ratings going is your fringe, your fringe nerds um, that read every comic. They are a minority compared to the general audience. So I have not gotten confused yet, but they keep layering it then i can potentially see being like okay last season was so much better and i get that that it was the first and it was the last season uh i don't know i'd have to see a few more episodes i just hope that they don't get even more convoluted with it because like i said time travel is a touchy touchy subject to play with creatively I just think it's always so complicated, but I, Everyone's I'm sure that, yeah, well, I'm sure that it, you know, as we progress through the season, mm-hmm. um, I'll be okay. But yeah, I had, I had to watch, uh, the first one basically again. Um, because okay. I think maybe I just wasn't paying full attention the first time. I'm really bad for that. But I watched it again. I was like, okay, I think I'm okay. And then the second one, I was good. So anyway, in a recent interview, Feige also made comments that led us to believe that Secret Wars will be a soft reboot to the MCU where they will prune everything that is not working and just keep what is working. Bring people back and or whatever they need to do to keep things on in this universe. For instance, they've already canceled Wonder Man for Disney Plus, which is sad. I was kind of excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're continuing to make creative changes to things that have not yet been finished. Like we mentioned earlier, the the Daredevil yeah. TV series. Blade. And like Blade, which seems like it's yeah. been announced for forever. And yeah. have they even really started it? Uh, where are we going with Eternals? Or are we even bringing them back? Like, Sometimes I forget oof. about the Eternals. Yeah. There was an Easter egg in the second episode. They walked past a movie poster with... Uh, yes. Uh, his character. Finger guy. Uh, one of those. Finger in- guns guy. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I don't remember any of the Eternals. I absolutely guys. hate that any, anytime any project, even if like... I'm a huge fan of the IP or not. I hate to hear when any project gets canceled or stuff like that, because as performers, we know how much work people put into these things uh, on all sides, tech in front of the screen, behind the screen, all that stuff. So I always hate to hear, especially wonder man. I thought we were heading to uh, such a great opportunity to introduce that character. Yeah, Um, I agree. So I really hate that. And maybe they'll down the line bring Wonder Man in as like a movie now or or a side introduction in a movie as opposed to giving his own show. I don't know. Um, soft reboot. You I mean, it's want, been like... You don't want to go the DC path and start soft rebooting well, or hard rebooting every 10, 15 years. That's and, true. So, but it it has been 
what 12 years yeah. or so so um what was it yesterday was the day that yeah tony stark officially died yep october 17th 2023 yesterday was the day he made the snap so yeah it's been a long haul thank you tony thank you for your sacrifice mr stark and thank you black widow your death sometimes goes forgotten but thank you for your sacrifice yes I don't think we're in the minority saying like this phase has been nowhere near as lustrous as the infinity war saga. Um, so with the, with the Marvel news you've brought and with more that'll continue, uh, it'll be interesting to see where Marvel's going. I think it's for, it's having its first growing pains possibly. Yeah, I agree. So we shall see. We'll keep you updated when we hear. I, too, have a little bit of news from the other side of things. In a recent Variety article, there was mention of rumblings happening that Warner Brothers Pictures could possibly be sold, with Universal Pictures the leading candidate to make the purchase. Currently, WB is part of the Warner Bros. Discovery, which has Discovery and the Max streaming service under its control. DC Studios is also part of Warner Bros., and it's the focus of a new feature that delves into some behind-the-scenes drama regarding the Aquaman 2. The article mentions that there are many on the WB lot that believe the studio will be sold within the next few years, with Universal being the most likely candidate. The article also discusses how there may be some confusion on who is in charge. For instance, James Gunn and Peter Safran are co-CEOs of DC Studios, but Max executives Sarah Aubrey and Casey Bloy also have their hands in creative decisions as well. The article did state that so far the partnership has been seamless, but it does beg the question, how long can that last? And is there a world where we see WB sold to Universal? (coughs) I had figured... After everything that happened with like the Snyder verse and Ray Fisher and, 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 and Joss Whedon and the poor cast of the, the justice league movie that this kind of news could be coming out within the next few years. Yeah. Um, everyone knows that, that I have, I have not been, you know, elated with all the DC content we have gotten within the last decade. I've not been elated with it. I don't um, think really hardly anyone has been. Mm-hmm. There have been some some home runs here and there, and there have been some major mm-hmm. flops. Um, Absolutely. Some balks. But Universal owning DC Studios could potentially be a really cool thing. But that's also like all of Warner Brothers, like Universal owning Warner Brothers. Well, that means that, uh, I mean, I don't know how the deal would work specifically, but it makes me think of like Universal Studios theme park. That's what I was thinking. You know, you could get some really cool stuff going there, but they also have that stuff at Six Flags. So I wonder how that would work. Like, Universal also has a Spider-Man ride and a Hulk yeah. ride. 
and you know, they're comic books. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, as more news comes out, I mean, I I don't think that too much news, they'll try to keep as much news as possible, like under the rug, uh, especially if there are murmurings happening, like, oh yeah, they'll sell or quite possibly sell. And those murmurings have been happening for a few months now. Like even, even Gunn has had to say in interviews, like, uh, as far as I know, I'm not getting things ready to be sold. Like that's not my intention. My intention is to create a, a cool universe. Yeah. Uh, that's beyond my, the whole WB of it is, is beyond my, my reckoning. I am just worried about. So um, it's interesting news. Um, you know, <laughs> Uh, I, I almost had a smart like thing to say. It's like, well, I don't care who buys it as long as it ain't Disney. <laughs> yeah, but we could have some really cool crossover events if they you did. You could, you could, but I, I don't know. I don't know what. I just let me get to the first movie of James Gunn's universe. <laughs> so. I just can't help but feel like okay. We haven't even finished all the stories that we're supposed to be getting already, especially on the Marvel. Aquaman 2 is officially the end of the Snyderverse. How many times have I been under the impression, though, that this is the last one? Like, I thought Flash was the last one. How many times has Ben Affleck supposedly appeared as Batman for the last time and then shows up again in the next movie? I can't figure out what's going on over there. Um, But, like, especially on the Marvel side, too, there's so many stories that are not finished and we're already talking about resetting rebooting and all that i wish that i mean and this is not a great business decision probably because it's not giving you money like right now but i feel like they should wrap up the stories they're telling and then maybe give it a break for a little while if they want to reset if they're really dedicated to rebooting revamping or whatever Mm -hmm. man give a little bit of time like content for a while how can I miss you if you won't go away? Agreed. And, like you could make a great comeback and like, maybe we could see the rise of the superheroes, you know, come back mm-hmm. because it's definitely on the downhill yeah. side of things. Yeah. So, I mean, I would agree. What I do I know? go full on as using the term superhero fatigue? As some people are saying, I don't think you'll ever have fatigue of superheroes because they're heroes. People will still love them. I think you're seeing just not as good scripts being produced. So uh, is what I think you're saying. So I mean, it's getting too convoluted for the general audience. So I agree if they're, if either of them or both of them or what have you are, um, in the midst of this or heading towards then step away for a bit and let us miss you. If you're going to do that. Well, this episode of 30 nerdy is going to be all about the fear street trilogy of movies, which you can catch on Netflix. And despite the fact that I am not a horror fan, I did watch all three of these movies. And I got to say, I rather enjoyed them. But we're going to discuss the history of Fear Street, the plot of the movies, moments, characters, and much more when 30 and Nerdy Podcast returns. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Tennessee Legend Distillery, where legends are made. 
Here, we won't herd you like a bunch of old cattle, leaving you feeling dazed and crazed and in a smoky haze. Here, we aren't just another moonshine sip and stop in the volunteer state. We are much more. At Tennessee Legend Distillery, we will show you that billboards don't make you a legend. And here, you aren't just another sale and a printed receipt. Here, you are the legend. Come be a part of the legend by visiting one of our four locations located across the state of Tennessee. Whether you're visiting the small local town of Cookville, boot scooting in the music city of Nashville, or relaxing in the beautiful Smoky Mountains of Cerebral, Tennessee Legend Distillery will have you saying, make mine a legend, no matter what you sip on. Stop in and try any of our multi-award winning spirits like our King Snake Bourbon Whiskey, our 120 proof White Corn Hammershine, or our number one seller, our Salted Caramel Whiskey. Not only will you become a part of the legend, but you will also become part of our secret creed of spirits. That's right, Tennessee Legend Distillery is the only place you'll be able to find the exclusive Assassin's Creed Spirit Collection. We have the AC-15 four-year-old bourbon whiskey celebrating 15 years of Altair, Ezio, and all of the other Assassin's Creed characters. Next up, we have our Valhalla Vodka, a smooth, 80-proof, tasteless spirit that will keep you going on any cold or hot Midgard night. Last but certainly not least, take to the high seas with our brand new Black Flag Spiced Rum, a spirit that would make Edward Kenway join our crew. These legendary exclusive spirits can only be found here, with more on the way. Brought to you by Ubisoft, Anthium Spirits, and Tennessee Legend Distillery. For more information, check out our TennesseeLegend.com or follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Live in another state? No worries. Go to kegandbottle.com. That's K-E-G-N-B-O-T-T-L-E, kegandbottle.com, and search Tennessee Legend Distillery. They'll deliver it right to your door. Mention 30 and Nerdy Podcasts while checking out in any one of our locations across Tennessee and receive a free shot glass. What are you waiting for? Come walk among legends at Tennessee Legend Distillery. Cheers to you, nerds. Rolling out, no worries, no cares. When the car came out of nowhere. That's when my whole world changed Pills for the pain, medical bills insane I was down, I was out, but I wasn't quite done Call 546-1111 in pain, yeah we got you You can't pay, yeah we got you too Boom, turn your wreck into a check The ones for you now, call OEB Law Boom, turn your wreck into a check We got your back now, call OEB Law What's up, guys? This is Logan, better known as the Rev of Rents on yours truly, 30 and 30 podcast. Exciting news coming to you because your boy now owns a business, and that business is Shane's Rib Shack in Georgia, McDonough, Highway 81, and we've got some delicious food. We've got ribs. we got wings. We've got tendies. We've got boneless. We've got everything you want. You like burgers? we got that, too. And I would be very appreciative if you showed me the love that you showed me here, right here, the 30 Nerdy Podcast, and go and find me in Georgia and eat some of that Shane Shack food. And if you do, always tell them that 30 and Nerdy sent you. And I promise, my word right here, you mention 30 and Nerdy, you get the free sweet tea. That's on me. And that's a promise, because the Reverence 
never breaks a promise. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thebuildsman.com. This is Brock and Arn Anderson. You're listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Correct. Welcome back, Nerds and Nerdettes, to our topic of the episode, the Fear Street Trilogy. Now, while we are talking about the Netflix trilogy of movies... That is not where Fear Street began. Not going to go into too many details, but Fear Street is actually a teenage horror fiction series written by legendary American author R.L. Stein. Yes, sir. Of the Goosebumps books. Bum, 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 bum. Starting in 1989. He wrote Fear Street. In 1995, a series of books inspired by Fear Street called Ghosts of Fear Street was created for younger readers and were more like the Goosebumps books in that they featured paranormal adversaries like monsters and aliens and sometimes had twist endings. Yeah, I always thought of it as like a kid's version of the Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. You know, that... Mm -hmm. There was all the kids in the 90s loved Goosebumps because we had yeah. the books. You know, I remember being at school and looking at all, the, all books. the books. All the covers of those books were so cool. I've even mm-hmm. uh, got a few like of the new uh, re-released editions of them. But do you remember the show? And I was just humming the little theme song. Mm-hmm. There was a dog that was sitting on someone's porch and its eyes went yellow. had some effect on it. That yeah. scared the doo-doo out of me when I was a kid. I hated like that. Jack. He did look like Jack. Yeah. I guess it was a golden retriever. You better beware. You're, You're in for a scare. scare. I wish everyone would just buzz off and everybody turn uh, into flies. Yes. Or bees. Um, or bees. My favorite one. I remember the first episode was, was the mask. But my favorite one was probably the um, there's one about summer camp and a werewolf or something. Mm. I remember. Yeah, I remember that one. Say cheese and die. Say cheese and die. Then, of course, what's the dummy's name? The, uh, Slappy or Slappy. Or, uh, there were two dummies, technically. But yeah, dummy, um, not a living dummy. Uh there was the one about the theme park mm-hmm. that was really good. Um, but yeah, they were legendary, man. Big part of our time. Mm-hmm. 
however, R.L. Stein did stop writing Fear Street after pinning the Fear Street Seniors spinoff in 1999. In summer 2005, he brought Fear Street back with the three-part Fear Street Nights miniseries. As of 2010, over 80 million copies of Fear Street had been sold. R.L. Stein revived the book series in October of 2014. In July of 2021, a trilogy of films based on the franchise was released over the course of three weeks on Netflix. So that's what we're discussing. We're discussing the Fear Street trilogy, an American horror film series with varying subgenres of horror, particularly the slasher and supernatural subgenres, directed by Lee Yannick. From the scripts and stories she co-wrote with other contributors. The films are based on R.L. Stein's book series of the same name. The overall story revolves around teenagers who work to break the curse that has been over their town for hundreds of years. Produced and developed by 20th Century Studios, the Kimnim Entertainment, the film's distribution rights were eventually acquired by Netflix following the Walt Disney Company's purchase of 20th Century Fox. The three films were shot back-to-back and were released on a weekly basis as Netflix original films, starting July 2021, to very positive reviews. Uh, More films from the trilogy are planned. Do you think that there should be more? And Um, Or, if they do, should it be like a totally separate... Totally separate. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Totally separate. We don't need. We got a good finality in the in that story. Um, you can still use the actors and actresses that you use, just different stories, kind of like American Horror Story does. Uh, so, in October of 1997, Hollywood Pictures struck a deal to acquire the Fear Street series of books, which were set to be developed with Parachute Entertainment as Scream-like feature franchise franchise so their their full intention was to since scream was so successful to do a young adult version of scream yeah um development never materialized in october of 2015 a film based on stein's fear street series was being developed by 20th century fox and chimen entertainment on february 13th of 2017 the tracking board reported that kyle killen would write the script of the film. In July, the adaptation was announced as a trilogy with Lee Yannick directing and rewriting uh, the script with her partner, Phil Grazadiel. Zach Olowicz was also drafting a script. The film where the films were to be shot back to back to back, kind of like Lord of the Rings did, uh, with the intention of releasing, releasing them in theaters one month apart. Uh, Yannick describes the format as hybrid of traditional television content and movies, with each installment intended to both have a satisfying ending and connecting to a larger story. Um, why couldn't they do something like that? I mean, I guess that was before the purchase. Yeah. Yeah. But I like the idea of this, like, okay, this month we're going to release this part. Next mm. month we're going to release the next part. You know, they could do that with these Disney shows. Like if they wanted to yeah. change it and make it instead of a eight episode series, they could do like three little movies or yeah. something. 
I'd go to the theaters to watch them. I would too. For sure. So the series was reported to be centered around a young lesbian couple navigating their rocky relationship when they are targeted by crazy uh, horrors in their small town. In March 2019, filming began in Atlanta and East Point, Georgia. Because what doesn't film in Atlanta these days? Right. With some parts filmed at Hard Labor Creek State Park in Rutledge. I don't think that means in Rutledge, Tennessee. I think it's it Rutledge, is, Georgia. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, in August of 2019, the shoot lasted for 106 days, wrapping in September of 2019. In April 2020, Kemen Entertainment ended their distribution deal with 20th Century Studios and made a multi-year first-look deal with Netflix, resulting in the latter distributing the trilogy. So, we were first hit with Fear Street Part 1. 1994 is what it was called i gotta say man the soundtrack for this one was banging or they, a, a banger however the kids say it they captured the essence of the 90s really well no doubt and i also felt like is this the same mall as the one in stranger things it, it might have been exactly the same i it's not i looked it up it's oh. not. They filmed in totally separate malls, but they, they wow. look identical. Yes, they did. Yes, it did. Same layout, it seemed like. So, after a series of brutal slayings, a group of teenagers take on an evil force that's plagued the notorious town for centuries. It was released July 2nd, 2021. Yannick describes it as influenced by 1990s slasher films, especially Scream. Which one was your favorite? I would say probably the first one. First one was really good. They highlighted the 90s so well. And yeah. since we are 90s kids, it like adds to that like god you got me. You got it me with definitely, that 90s Like each one had things that I feel like they were like basing it on, like trying to give you the same vibe as certain other types of movies and i'm not going to go so far as to say they copied or anything like that but like this one yeah. definitely felt like scream like yeah it's the slasher you got the dude in the mask and yada yada um once it got to these more supernatural parts of it mm-hmm. i didn't like it as much as just the plain old slasher part that is until which we'll get to there was a big twist in the, in the third one yes. uh that brought it all back for me and i was like okay yeah i'm in this is yeah. cool. uh they did a good job with that so yeah. uh first one uh what's her name maya hawk uh yeah maya hawk right away was so and this was was this before she did stranger things or after uh i believe it was after her first appearance said, right uh it was after her first appearance in stranger things yeah okay so or maybe like around the same time or or so yeah so i was surprised that she died right away as soon as i saw her i thought oh she's a big deal she's probably going to be the the star of this thing because i knew literally nothing about the movie before i hit play other than you wanted me to watch it so uh that was surprising right off the bat which scream did the same thing it opens up with oh there's drew barrymore yeah she's a big name she must be the lead of this thing nope first victim you yep. know where that dates all the way back to no. psycho okay 
Hitchcock did it with Psycho. The bigger name star was the first death of the opening scene. It's kind of a great idea. Yeah, it is because it, it you're just like, oh, well, there's our star. Nope. Nope. Foiled. You've foiled again. Foiled again. Uh, the cast was really good to it at the the two the couple the that's having um mm-hmm. uh Deanna and Samantha the they played it so especially uh Dina uh gosh uh Kiana I think is the actress's name just that grungy angry love jaded teenager jaded, you know like you know the oversized jacket just the jaded 90s grungy look god she played it so well angsty teen uh, angsty teen i was like oh my god grow up <laughs> um but the whole cast was great now uh, the kid playing her brother oh he uh, was probably my favorite he was great because his little little mini arc is that he's been chatting online with this person who firmly believes in the curse of of the witch the curse of yes. sarah fear uh that plagues their town and that's why it's kind of like a uh what they did in uh parks and rec pawnee and eagleton uh eagleton was always blessed with luck and fortune and money and pawnee wasn't uh, they have an east and a west of this town. Shady side and sunny yeah, there's side. shady side, and they even renamed the the other side. And so shady side's kind of kind of cursed, you know. Their their athletes don't get out, you know, and become famous. They're, you know, you just kind of it's quicksand of a town. Uh, something keeps you there. People Boring. think that uh, people from. Shady side or trash, basically. Yeah, or trash. Um, and that's in every small town in America. It's insane uh, how they really captured that. I thought I'd seen the girl uh, who played Sam in something before this, but I, I can't really. Put Sam, my... the one who went through the. No. No, Sam the was the girlfriend, the Olivia Scott. Oh. Well. Can't remember, but no, the girl that went th- Julia something uh, played Kate, the girl who went through the yes. who who gave the brother like a, a second base moment because they all thought they were going to die in the bathroom. Yeah, and uh, and and poor poor girl uh, went through a slicer. Was that like a meat slicer or something? I think that is, yeah, that, that is what it was. I actually did a tiny little bit of, uh, you know, researching for some behind the scenes stuff and all Mm -hmm. that. And one thing that I do remember was that death specifically, I guess it was the director who really wanted to do that. And his, uh, effect guys or, or someone was like, Oh, it wouldn't work that way. That's not really what it would look like. And they were like, okay, well, let's try it. So they got like a watermelon or something and they pushed it through and that's how it cut like the effect that we ended up seeing for her, her poor head there at the end. That's exactly the same way it did it. So they were like, all right. And I hated that because like, I thought like, Oh, well, Josh is going to have himself a little girlfriend after this. They're all going to survive. No, they all did not survive. Not, not, not so much really. Uh, Not so much. The other kid, mm, what was his name? He's kind of the the burnout. Mm -hmm. 
character was uh, it simon 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 yeah got the axe to the head in the in the mini mart yeah didn't see that coming either that was and i was really a fan of the uh the the sheriff the the police guy yeah played nick good you are a fan of him in this in this installment that's how they get you that's how they get you has he been Uh, in anything else significant doesn't look like it uh i don't think so his name's ashley ah this is what i know him from he was on secession oh i have not seen that's that's how i knew him secession is great i know that brian cox is in it he's one of my favorite actors he's oh then you need to see it yeah i know 100 you need to see it it's he is incredible in that show just Uh, absolutely amazing i plan on it it's on a my, I've got my own list building, kind of like you. And uh, he plays a, a really sleazy character in uh, I'm talking about the Nick Good here, not yeah. Brian Cox. Yeah, but that's I rec- I knew I recognized him from something. Interesting. He did a great job in this because you know he's he's the hero and Small yada yada brothers charming. You believe everything. You trust yeah. him. The whole, the whole aspect of just like, look, I, I, I want to hear your story. Just try me, tell me what's going on, what's happening, how can I help? Um, and you know, at one point they've got three different slashers after him. You've got this uh, guy who's remnants of uh, Jason with a sack over his head and an axe. Uh, you got this girl who has this little razor Things. with her uh oh. and then then you've got the uh then you got the uh the ruby? masked guy ruby yeah uh then you've got the masked guy who we saw at the very beginning who killed uh my hawk's character so you got these great slasher feels and these these slasher type deaths uh, and that feel of of just never being safe mm-hmm. like a good slasher movie g- gives you um, but what they realize, uh, what you, you get in the movie is that all three of these people, uh, should be dead that are chasing them. Yes. They should all be dead because they were killed after murdering people. Initially before the second movie, uh, you get this, this Jason S character who's got a sack on his head and, uh, an ax and he apparently did some killings back in the 70s he shouldn't be here and then there's this slasher from the 90s and this slasher from the 80s 60s and like how are they alive the brother josh puts two and two together that it is the curse of sarah fear did we see the i guess it's like a big pile of pulsing organs that it's in that tunnel that's in two that's in two yes that's where yes. all those guys like came. They were born yeah. from that. They were pouring right. from that. We got a glimpse of it in one, but not like. Okay. That's what I, yeah. that's what I meant. Did we see that? Yeah. Because I remember at some point when it came along, I was like, well, what in the world is this supposed to be? Yeah. But it made me think about, especially when we saw like the little clone things emerge from it. Mm. Uh, we got something like that in stranger things at one point, like that yes. exact same thing. Yes. Was that 
this most recent season? Uh, the one before? Three. That was three. Yeah. That was three. Yeah, very similar. And and this show, despite being very different than Stranger Things, also had so many similarities and so many similar vibes and feels. Uh, not limited to a cast member <laughs> or two. <laughs> what were some of the points that stood out about the first one to you? Memories, things like uh, that. The Maya Hawk scene in the beginning. Mm-hmm. For sure. The bit where they were like um the kids were on the bus and the mean kids were chasing them mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And this one girl gets up and gives this big impassioned speech about how they're gonna, you know, they're gonna show Sunnyside, they're gonna go and kill them all, and blah blah blah. And they're like, Yeah, I'm thinking. Where is the bus driver? Where is the adult here who's allowing all this to go on? And, <laughs> you know, they're being chased and they're like opening the door and tossing their uh, their Gatorade yeah. jugs or something out the back of the bus. The bus driver is not going to say anything about this. What's happening? Yeah. Who's driving this bus? That was very memorable to me, but I'm on the <laughs> educator end of things. So that was my first thought. Um, I don't know. I, I guess because like, I have, I have a confession. I have not seen a one entire screen movie. Really? Did you not know that? No, No, I didn't. I've not seen any of like, I know the gist of it. I know what it's about. Plus I saw scary movie, the parody that they did. Yeah. So I, you know, I know what it's about and I know the cast and yada, yada. I get it. But so for me, this was like, okay, I know this is similar to Scream, but it still feels like a fresh story to me because mm-hmm. I'm not super, you know, closely familiar with, uh, with Scream. But then as it went on, like the next two movies, I didn't enjoy them as much because I felt like this is, this doesn't feel like original. There's, this is not an original story. It doesn't feel like yeah. the pulsing organs that i mentioned and the bad guys spawning out of it like i've seen this before all this feels like copycat yeah but once we got to the twist ending which we'll get to in part three that's when i was like fully sold on it that's the part i enjoyed the most i would say the ending of the third movie yeah yeah sorry your question was what about the first one stuck out (laughs) that (laughs) sorry you're good couple of unknown trivia uh in the opening scene the bookshelves are filled with fear street books uh with I, the author I, I listed as robert lawrence which is actually rl stein's first rl stein's name yes yes uh Skullface's costume was inspired by rl stein's halloween night 2 from point horror book series this guy i'm not even like that's the thing is like he he's a Got so many more books than Goosebumps and Fear Street. Some I've never even heard of. Yeah, I had never heard of this one before. But I just Googled it, and now it does kind of look familiar. Halloween Night 2 uh, was released January 1st, 1994. And sure enough, the cover is exactly the same, looks like, really? as uh, that character. Wow. A unknown trivia 
mess slash mess up unless you are really paying attention and know your years. Uh, despite taking place in 1994, there are several songs which are anachronistic. Only Happy When It Rains by Garbage and More Human Than More Human Than Human by White Zombie were not released till 95. And Your Woman by White Town wasn't released until 97. Machine Head by Bush was on their 94 album but wasn't released as a single until 1996. Firestarter by The Prodigy was not released until 96. So even though it took place in 94, this banger of an album that we talked about is technically way. Do you feel like that's something that they probably knew or realized and just thought, eh, it doesn't matter, the effect of the song is more important? Or do you think they just didn't really know or care? Um, I... See, this is a thing that I actually, as as a fan and a cinephile, I'm on the fence about. I think if you can make a great album or a great soundtrack for your movie or your show, put whatever you can to make it a banger. But I also think that there should be someone sitting in a chair that says continuity captain and says, like, that wasn't released then. That wasn't released then. People are going to. So I don't know. Part of me, most of me says, like, just make it a good album. You know, it's a fictitious world anyways. Um, if someone's going to. But then sometimes I catch myself in a show or a movie. Happened like, I don't know a lot of that stuff. Like, I don't I'm not good with like when things dropped or blah, blah, blah. Um, especially for music. I have caught myself. Uh, watching a, a 90s-esque movie and thinking that wasn't released yet, technically. So, so I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think um, I want to say like, oh, it's more important for, you know, the, the feel that you're going for and how does it fit and all that. And if it's a good soundtrack, that's more important. Mm-hmm. But when you're title is the year feel like that's something you would you would want to pay attention to and i know that me personally while i would be like man i really want to use this song because it would be so perfect yeah but it wasn't 1994 so i know me and i would pay attention to that detail and i would not have done it yes but Um, you know what in the grand scheme of things does it matter no no. because it still worked it was great director co-writer lee yannick was a teenager in 1994 and drew from her own personal experience for inspiration like the characters in shady side from her small town in ohio uh in certain parts of the film josh says up up down down left right left right be a start that sequence is known as the konami code it's a cheat code used by video game players in order to gain special powers during a game made by the company konami the first known use of this code was in the game Gradius. Uh, it's the first known cheat code. It was up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. Which is actually, you know, up, up, down, down. The show that, that Xavier Woods Xavier Woods, and all them do for the WWE. That's also paying homage to the Konami code. 
Do you know about the uh, first ever Easter egg in a video game? No. It was in an Atari video game. I think it was called. No, I've totally forgotten. Uh, Adventure, maybe. Okay. And like this guy put his name somewhere in like a wall. Like you could go in the secret door or something. And this dude's put his name in there. Because Mm -hmm. at the time they did not put um, the programmers names in the credits on the games. So that's why I did it. Wow. Yeah. I think I know that because I read the ready player one book, which is 10 times better than the movie. Uh Uh-huh. You should read the book. Okay. Anyway. 9.9 times out of 10, the book's always better, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the town of Shadyside, Ohio, actually exists. It is considered part of the Wheeling, West Virginia statistical area. However, there there were no European settlers in the area until 1879. Ohio was itself not settled by Europeans until after the American Revolutionary War, and there was never any witch hanging in the state. (laughs) So even though she slightly based it off of her Shadyside, Ohio home, none of the backstory in the movies actually happened. Um, Well, that's good. I know. Thank God. (laughs) Uh, One of the posters in Dina's room is the 10th anniversary of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which depicts RHPS character Barbie-style dolls on a four-tier chocolate cake. And, of of course, uh, as we've always already hinted to, uh, Maya Hawke, who played Heather, and Sadie Sink, who plays Ziggy, uh, in a flashback of one and in the full entirety of two. we're together in Netflix, other fantastic, big popular show, Stranger Things. Sadie Sink was really good. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy her. She was mm-hmm. good. She brought some chops that she, uh, Max does not need. Yeah. Just a different style of character in some aspects. So uh, it was really cool. So why don't we move to part two? 1978. I was, I will say, I was looking forward to the explanation of why it started in 1994 and went backwards instead of progressing forward. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Telling the story in reverse is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Fear Street, part two, 1978. In the cursed town of Shadyside, a killer's murder spree terrorizes Camp Nightwing and turns a summer of fun into a gruesome fight for survival. This film was released on July 9th, 2021. Yannick states that she was influenced, obviously, by Friday the 13th. (laughs) Very, very obviously. Very obviously influenced by Friday the 13th. Uh, this one, I, I, and I mean, they're everywhere. The, the Friday the 13th Easter eggs. It's, it's, it's so influenced that it's almost, uh, like someone let you copy their work 
and you just changed enough yes. answers and not to be that. <laughs> that's how I felt watching the whole thing. I was like, well, this is just Friday the 13th. Yeah. So I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Um, some of the older characters that we saw in part one are younger in this. Uh, this is their story, their teenage story. Um, so basically, this takes place at the Camp Nightwing, uh, where a young Ziggy and her sister are at. Uh, Ziggy is actually a camp goer, and her sister is actually the camp nurse or nurse assistant. She was a counselor of some sort. Yeah, she was a counselor. I think. Yes. And also camp counselors were the younger versions of the mayor and the sheriff, the goods, the good brothers, <laughs> good brothers. Um, young Nick, who seems to be a little bit nicer, who plays the sh- who grows up to be the sheriff and his jerk of an older brother, who's actually the mayor of Shadyside, number one. Um, there's this discussion, there's this already like in this one, there's far more dive into the oh there was a witch and she was hanged and there's this curse and it was not as mentioned as much in one but here it's mentioned a lot um and mainly because it's camp campfire stories scary stories the older kids tell the younger kids um i honestly went to one camp my entire life and it was I was going into sixth grade and it was a church camp. Yeah. I've only a few ever been hours to away. Camp. I mean, it was okay. Uh, what I remember of it was the blob because every camp needs a blob. If it has a lake and paintball, that's all I remember. Um, and they too had this setup of like red versus blue, this overall thing, but it was, uh, a religious camp so you couldn't get too competitive <laughs> uh and you definitely couldn't be playing pranks like like these campers did on stuff Do you remember that show on disney bug juice oh yes i desperately wanted to go to a camp like the bug camp juice on Moana. they looked like they had so much fun mm. camp but alas on never did hold you in our hearts so uh, in this one, we have young Sadie Sink playing Ziggy Bremen, uh, Emily Rudd playing her sister Cindy, uh, Ryan Sipkins as Alice, the the uh, not very moral counselor that you would not want your ch- child looking up to. There is a very interesting scene in the introduction <laughs> of her character. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh that you were not expecting. <laughs> um, just very interesting. Uh, then we, of course, have uh, Tommy, played by McCabe Sly. More on Tommy in a minute. Characters and moments in this one that stuck out to you? Uh, definitely Sadie Sink. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it took me a little bit to figure out which I think was probably intentional, like which one of these two is the younger version of the, the surviving person sister. that 
yeah that they're talking yeah. to in her house about everything uh-huh. um so that took me a bit and then i figured like okay there's gonna be some sort of trick here i was mm-hmm. expecting there to be something um and then sure enough there was so they switched names after the mm-hmm. older sister died yeah i mean the, the sadie sink i thought just sort of yeah. stole the show she, she was, did and which is the intention i think but mm-hmm. the older sister was also really good and they they played that dynamic really well of big sister little sister not getting along yeah. it's that time where you know i think uh, one parent's dead they used to be great friends and now mom's dead dad's different they're not friends anymore apparently after mom died cindy kind of got distant started hanging out with older crowd and boyfriends and things like that and left little sadie little sadie's character to kind of fend for herself and grow up in her own way so they played that really well that dynamic the thing that stuck out most to me was just how terrible teenagers are to each other just terrible (laughs) sometimes they definitely can be but especially in movies set in the 70s and 80s yes and 90s terrible human beings uh, some of the pranks that poor Ziggy had played on her or just straight up bullying. She was almost hung from a tree that Sarah Fair was hung from by this girl at camp who's just trying to bully her and scare her. I'm like, I was bullied in elementary and middle school, but at least someone didn't try to hang me from a tree. <laughs> oh, God. Good God. I was like. This girl's parents are doing a terrible job. We were just playing. <laughs> it was just a joke. A joke. Jeez. A fun fact about this one, though, uh, although this was the second film in the street in the trilogy, uh, it was actually filmed last after part one and part three. So that's interesting. Hmm. They filmed. I believe it went like one, three, two. That's how they filmed it. Camp Nightwing is a reference to the setting of the Fear Street book Lights Out, although the plots are very different. So it is not a a reference to a certain comic book superhero. Camp Rutledge stands in for Camp Nightwing and was the major filming location used for Little Darlings in 1980. Both Fear Street 78 and Little Darlings had a scene which was filmed at Camp Daniel Morgan, where Friday the 13th Part 6 was also filmed. There you go. So there are, if you watched them both back to back, Fear Street Part 2 and uh, Friday the 13th Part 6, you might see some similar, (laughs) similar cabins and similar areas. Speaking of Friday the 13th, have you seen this meme that's been going around lately that uh, apparently there's a Crystal Lake in Michigan and there's like a replica statue of Jason at the bottom of the lake? Who took the time? I don't know. I want to look for that right now and send it to you because it's it's like a full on like movie quality statue. Like it looks like. 
looks like Jason's just hanging out in the bottom of the ocean. So if the water ever goes down, it's like his head crests over the water. That'd be funny. I think it's like deep down okay. there. What a, what a thing to do. What a thing to just say, you know what we should do? Since we're called Crystal Lake. <laughs> Let's put Jason in our Let's lake. Let's put Jason at the bottom of the lake. Okay. I'm sending you this right now. Okay. I'll take a look at it. Like Alice, uh, Tommy is the name for a Survivor character from the Friday the 13th, 1980 series. Uh, the film also copies many locations from this series. Um, when Ziggy is roped to a tree by the bullies, one girl calls her a witch like Sarah Fear, the witch believed to have cursed Shady Side. The girl then says Sarah Fear is still alive and wouldn't be if they burned her instead of hanging her. In the original Fear Street book series, it was suggested the town was haunted partially because two innocent women were killed for witchcraft hundreds of years ago. Unlike Sarah Fear, they were both burned, though, in the books. So just a few trivia for Fear Street Part 2. Final thoughts on this one, my friend. It was probably my least favorite of the three. Just kind of me. Yeah. I also did not enjoy the bit with the snakes. I, I believe, I imagine you didn't. Oh, and I think that was supposed to be a thing too, where they would uh, give little clues about the uh, Nick Good having his deal with the devil. The mm -hmm. snake crawled right into his lap. Mm -hmm. That was intentional. Very intentional. Uh and this is where we got a really good look at uh, that cave-like system with all the, like, fletulating organ-type stuff hanging all over the place and <laughs> where the things come out. and The, very, very the little organ pile. Yeah, the organ pile. Yeah. Now, moving on to the third and final installment of Fear Street. Fear Street Part 3, 1666. So. I literally just realized that it was three sixes. Mm -hmm. How clever. Mm -hmm. Thrust back to 1666 in a vision, uh, Dina learns the truth about Sarah Fear. Back in 1994, the friends fight for their lives and Shady Side's future. This one was filmed on July, was released on July 16th, 2021. Yannick compares it to the New World book. So in this one, we have two different timelines meeting up. We get the flashback to 1666, where Dean is kind of reliving the steps of Sarah Fear. And learning the truth about everything. Uh, one question I have: You've you've done the Crucible. You played Proctor yeah. in the Crucible. Yeah. Do you feel like they? Yeah. Yeah. They it really well. Yeah. The witch trials. Yeah, it was ex another thing where I was just like, man, I've seen this before. Yeah, it's called the Crucible. <laughs> Losing my uh, interest here. <laughs> 
and I understand. I understand the fact that they used this whole like paying homage to and emulating uh, blueprint for each one um, can in a lot of ways like take you out like I've already seen this. There is some originality to it, but I will even say like I think the homages and Easter eggs are heavier than the original story. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think would. It, it damages the the original story in a lot of a lot of ways, almost yes. as if they they made you come in because of the nostalgia and but the story wasn't strong enough for you to be like, I could watch this over and over. Yes. So that's um, exactly right. And I hate that form because because uh, it's really uh, hopefully if they are continuing on. A, they do different stories, and B, they they kind of uh, stray away from the heaviness of their Easter eggs uh, moving forward. Uh, so we play with two different timelines uh, in this one. In the very first half of it, we are back in 1666, the witch trial times. It's a weird time that anytime somebody plays the game, like if you if you could have been born. In any other time, what would it be? Or if you could have been 34 at any other time other than the time you are now, what what would it be? I would worry if someone looked at me and said 1666. Yeah, you're out of your mind. What a Why? shitty time to be alive. Like what? What? What can? How can you possibly benefit at all from that? <laughs> Women would not. First of all, yeah, zero. Any free thinking woman was burned at a damn stake, and even men who were a little different we would have been considered witches probably yeah we were we would have been considered dancing with the devil in the woods well i like to have a good time (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a tuesday night to me yeah uh so this one was interesting I, i liked the aspect of going all the way back um getting the real story, the twist we get that it was the goods all along. There's this pact they made with the devil to stay on top of society. I liked that it was Sarah's story, but because uh, Dina is the one reliving it, Mm -hmm. we see it with people she's familiar with. She, Yes. I liked that. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. That was one a really cool, uh, integral part and to add. And an original for that matter that do. that we were familiar with as well at that. Yeah. Point. So I thought yeah. that was instead a, of casting smart idea. faces. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was very smart too. Uh, and then of course we, uh, when we're done flashing back and getting the truth that it was goody good, good good, <laughs> uh, Mister Good. Of that time period who started it was not thing. good at all. Not good at all. And this family has been keeping this going since then. The sheriff is not a good person. The, the twist that he has been a bad guy the entire time. Chef's kiss on that twist. That Chef's was kiss. a great twist. And then, of course, we flash back once Dina's realized everything where she needs to go, what she needs to do, how she needs to stop this entire thing uh, from continuing and saving Shadyside finally uh, and sh- saving her girlfriend at the same time because Samantha's supposed to be a victim. 
Like they're outrunning these murderers still when we flash forward because Sam's name was written down by the sheriff. We get this showdown with an older version of Ziggy and an older version of Good from number two. Ziggy finally finds out the truth too and it's just like that. Rat killed my sister. In, in, a, in a way, Ziggy also gets her revenge. So does her sister Cindy. Everything is is copathetic and done right. And Nick is killed. If I remember correctly, they turned everybody on him, right? Uh, I it, think so. They, they, yes, but that's not what killed him. Like that just distracted him. Yeah. No, because he, he then chases her into the caves. Dina kills him. Yeah, Dina kills him. Yeah, I remember that now. Now I remember that. I, I really enjoyed this one. Probably my second favorite in the line. My favorite probably goes one, three, two. Um, Same. Which is oddly how my favorite Lord of the Rings goes. <laughs> one, three, two. Really? Yeah. I, I'm a one, two, three. Really? Yeah, two I towers so. over. I think over so. Because of Helm's Deep. And Return of the King is just so effing long. Helm's Deep is is a really solid moment and battle scene. But one has the birth of everything and the building of the world begins. Three has the culmination and everybody comes back together. Two, just for some reason, I was always so like, everybody's so split up and separated and I don't feel safe. I don't enjoy that. Yeah, aspect of the story either, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe I do like three better than two. I don't know. But movie wise, yeah, three is just so long, so so long. So, any final thoughts on sixteen sixty six? Even though I preferred the slasher aspect over the supernatural aspect, I thought it was a good blending of the two subgenres. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the twist. Uh, with the sheriff they you know if you think about it they did drop a couple little clues here and there like he said something kind of douchey in the first one to somebody mm. that sort of felt out of place like why would you say that like uh some guy was in jail for they thought he'd vandalize something he's like no those aren't even my cans of paint and the sheriff was like yeah you're right they're mine it was like what what yeah you know so then you kind of forget about that and it's like oh well he's not a He's not a great guy, so that adds up. No. Uh, beyond that, like the uh, the gore aspect, if you're someone who goes to movies like this because you want to see some gory deaths like Saw and stuff like that, well, you know, you're going to get a lot of that in this one mm-hmm. uh, and all of them, actually. So if that's what you're looking for, they got it and they do that pretty well and if you are a fan of the crucible or scarlet letter yeah. or you are uh the new world the new world you are in for another fantastic witch trial story <laughs> fun fact this is the only film in the tri- trilogy that actually references the titular fear street because it was named after sarah fear it was a street named after but it was actually spelled f-i-e-r on the street sign, but they call it fear street. So it's the first one to actually say the name fear street. Uh, good 
if anybody also recognizes that, was also a prevalent family during the Salem witch trials in real life as well. The goods. Yes. Uh, So she drew from that for this movie. Uh, Every state in the nation has a code for someone who is considered mentally unstable. Uh, While the official code differs from state to state, California's is 5150. It's used as slang in every state and and uniformly understood. So if you have a 5150, you have someone who's mentally unstable. That's a, a quick code to let someone to drop a dime to someone that's like, I don't want to say in front of this person, I got a nut job in front of me. <laughs> that may set them off. <laughs> Probably will not help to de-escalate the situation. <clears throat> um, this was the one while they were filming this one, it was the only one that RL Stein actually visited the set. RL Stein is 80 years old as we speak today. Mm-hmm. Bless him. Uh, blink and you will miss it. 11 minutes and 50, 11 minute and 53 second mark. Sarah is turning pages of the book. A glimpse of the Sephiroth, Sephiroth is, par, is shown. Sephiroth is part of the Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism. And at 12.02, there's a drawing of a figure resembling Baphomet. So if you follow your demonology, your supernatural fan, or, I mean, that's literally where the character Sephiroth in Final Fantasy comes from, the one-winged angel, the one-winged demon. So yeah, just a few little fun facts about 1666. Some fun news, though. In July of 2021, director Lee Yannick expressed interest in expanding this film series beyond the trilogy of movies. Uh, She had stated to be interested in adapting a slasher film that takes place during the 1950s and centers on Harry Rooker and the Milkman is one of the things that is mentioned in Josh's timetable of uh, his serial killers. He's like, this was this year and this was that year. And this, the Milkman murders was, was on his wall in July of 2022 Stein slated that there are discussions ongoing for additional films being developed in the series later that month bloody disgusting confirmed that statement with netflix stating that official plans would be announced in the future by december it was announced that choice okuno will serve as director on the next fear street movie and the Charon entertainment would return as one of the production studios in October of 2023, R.L. Stein stated that the film series will continue with additional Fear Street movies in development. So we are going to get more. Hopefully, and I assume this will also said, be Netflix? Yes. Yes. I would yes, imagine yes, they, okay. they'll keep the rights to distribute it. So what's the reception of these movies like? I mean, I didn't even know they existed until you said we were going to do it. Mm-hmm. What Do you know, like, what's the... Uh, So it was received actually really well. A lot of horror fans felt like it was a love letter to them. I could see Uh, that. And the the genre as a whole, uh, with so many Easter eggs, references, plot devices that were very reminiscent of all the classic horror movies that most of us grew up with. Uh, Even the shady side killers seem to have all been designed based off of certain killers. Uh, The authentic production design was also celebrated. 
with its nostalgic pop culture references from the 90s and the dull, haunting, and drab-looking 1666, making the world feel real and lived in. Uh, they That celebrated the soundtrack adds uh, authenticity, being masterfully curated and songs ripped straight from the 70s, 90s, and adding haunting music uh, that will send chills down your spine when they were in 1666. Uh, it's a great addition to the horror genre and especially subgenres of slasher. The atmosphere has been praised. Uh, how it handled sexuality without overplaying its hand has been praised. One critic even says fear street walks. So movies like X could run X is X X is that horror movie with Brittany snow and Jenny Ortega. And uh, who's the new girl. That's kind of Maya goth. She has her own spinoff Maxine or something like that. I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah. Uh, So it was received really well. I would imagine if it wasn't, then we wouldn't be getting a fourth or a fifth or whatever they, Decide to continue doing. Mm-hmm. That is Fear Street. Well, uh, definitely enjoyed it more than I expected that I would. Uh, but for as much as I do enjoy horror, which is not a lot, um, you know, it was it was a fun experience. Like I was glad that you you suggested it, and when you told me, "Oh, it's R.L. Stein," that definitely piqued my interest because. Mm-hmm. As we said at the beginning of this whole thing, we grew up with goosebumps. That's mm-hmm. got like a special place in my heart, and I'm sure it does for you too. So that definitely motivated me to start the process of, of watching these movies. And I'm glad that I did. Will I ever watch them again? Most likely not. You never know. <laughs> but I'm definitely open to like more stuff like that. And not you know. typically don't try to push horror on you too much unless i know there's an aspect in it that you Mm -hmm. will like yeah like i've got for the push of this to watch and talk about i've got a whole longer list of things like never suggest this to josh (laughs) like (laughs) it's a very long list like he would not like this so do not recommend to josh (laughs) Like I've been to several of the Saw movies. Like Ugh. those are cool, and um, like I can do the too many of those. I can do that that kind of horror, and like I can do Jason and Freddy and stuff like that. But when you get into the supernatural stuff, I just I don't I don't love it. <laughs> it's too real. It's too real, it's man. Too real. It's too real. <laughs> Them ghosties will get you. Yeah, that's true. Well, thank you for tuning in, nerds and nerdettes. Have you seen Fear Street? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? Let's talk about it. Why? Why not? I hope you have seen it because we just spoiled all three of the movies. Yes, we did. Do you recommend them? Are you hoping that there's a four or five and six or whatever they're suggesting? Uh, Have you been a Fear Street fan all along and read all the books? Let us know because I have not read the books. So I have not either. I didn't know they existed. Goosebumps was the only R.L. Stein that I dived into. So same. Maybe we'll check some out at your Thank recommendation. You, you have Thank to you to my this. third grade teacher who no, yeah. my second grade teacher who got me started on Goosebumps. So yeah. Rest in peace, Miss Longmire. Thank you for tuning in, nerds and nerdettes. Juice have a good week.
Same to you. I'll Enjoy try. Tech Week. I absolutely will. Tech is tech fun. Tech is fun. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Stay kind to yourself. Stay kind to one another. And as always, cheers to you. Two dudes who met back in college Nobody loved pop culture more So they started a podcast to talk all about it And 30 and Nerdy was born Oh, 30 and Nerdy was born You might hear them chat about shows like The Witcher Or movies like Lord of the Rings and if Josh has to choose, he is loyal to Marvel While Tyler goes more for DC Yes, Tyler goes more for DC Now come, come, one and all Nerd up or shut up, just answer the call To be part of our journey into magical worlds Join us and cheers to ya nerds Join us and cheers to ya nerds